0: Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you looking after us, and uh, it's good to be able to talk to Jared ahead of time and ask him if he would prepare us with that song, I Need Thee, just before we get into God's Word together. I was involved in a large Christian university a number of years ago, and one of the pastors who was speaking reminded the congregation of how important God's Word was. And as we think about that, carry on, there's a little leaflet in your bulletin and have some notes. You can follow that. And this pastor was talking about the large church that he'd been involved in. God had used him in a wonderful way to minister to people and probably the church was seven or eight hundred and it gradually moved to seven or eight thousand people. And during that time, he said, God gave me one verse as we gave, as he gave me direction to start that work. And out of that one verse, God accomplished so much. Of course, sometimes uh, pastors don't like to give credit to others. And so I happened to be standing near a couple of pastors at that time, one leading to the other and said, how could you build a church? on one verse. And I thought, you know, that pastor has a little bit of an issue. He has a little bit of a problem. Well, I'm not building a church. We've got a church. I'm going to use that one verse out of Revelation 3.8 and share with you today about God's will in our life. As I think of that man that was so critical of that pastor, it was very obvious that he created a lot of negativity in his own church. Jesus gives a beautiful example here. He says, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength. Hmm. Have A little strength, kept my word, and you've not denied my name. Jesus knows our works. In fact, not only does he know our work, he knows all about us. He knew what you said Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. He knew how you treated others around you. He knew whether you spent time with him or not. He knows all about you. Why? Well, because he, know, he knows you so well, because he made you. John 1, in the beginning was Jesus. The beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made, and him was life. Your life. Him was life. And the life was the light. Of the world. He gave us that life. He was the one that brought us into life. A lot of people today would just give you the idea that it's a biological union between a man and a wife that brings a child, but God's word says very clearly, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that gives life to us. That passage in your booklet there, Psalm 139, Lord, you have searched me and... You've known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Not a word that you and I spoke in the last week that he does not remember. He knows all about that. That's where it's why it's very, very important to sing and to believe. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. And what a theme as we look at this passage of scripture. One verse. I had the privilege over the years to teach the book of Revelation, but I didn't take it in 20, 30 minutes. One time I spent eight or nine months in a Sunday school class teaching the book of Revelation. Took a whole semester at Briarca's Bible College teaching the book of Revelation. But today, just for a few moments, we want to talk about this verse because it relates so well to what Jesus thinks of us and how much he loves us and what he wants to do in our life. I'm going to talk to you about Joe and Sam just for a moment. That's not the real names, but I do that because sometimes people might figure out who I'm talking about. Well, Joe was an alcoholic. Sam was a good guy. Both of them were good businessmen. But for some reason, his alcoholism didn't stop Joe from making lots of money. In fact, one day he talked to me. He said, you know, Bruce, why don't you and I go into business? He was already in business. He was doing really well. And he said, we could make a lot of money together. He paused for a moment. He said, no, I guess you want to do something else in your life rather than build a business, which I did. So as I was sharing with Joe about accepting Jesus Christ, he said, no, I can't do that. And I said, why not? He says, because I don't believe there's a hell, and I don't believe there's a Satan. And I said to Joe, would you mind if we take a little time and have a Bible study together? We'll go through God's word and we'll talk about hell and about Satan. He said, sure, I don't mind. So we took some time and we worked through God's word about hell and about Satan. Shortly after that, both he and his wife came to Christ. Sam in a similar situation, very good in what he did. I encouraged him, as we shared, about accepting Jesus Christ. And he said almost identical. And this was probably 10 years apart. He said, Bruce, I could not accept Christ? I said, why not? He says, because I don't believe there's a hell. And I don't believe there's a Satan. So I said to Sam, would you mind us taking a few moments, whatever it took, to go through God's word, and we'll talk about whether there's a hell or whether there's a Satan. He said, sure. He's a very intellectual person, and so he didn't mind the challenge, so he took the challenge. It wasn't very long after that, that Sam, too, invited Christ to come into his heart, and into his life. See, both Joe and Sam had to realize that they needed somebody more powerful than themselves. It's interesting as as people go through their life, they can be very critical about the church. They can be very critical about Christ. They can make fun about Satan and hell and the Bible and so on. But I've been with many people. Near the end of their life, and their thinking about eternity changes when they know that they're facing death. And with Joe, and with Sam, as we began to do that Bible study, they had to understand and realize for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. It is death. It is eternal death. And when he got a grip on that, they understood, very, very important, that they get their lives right with Jesus Christ. And of course, John 1, as we shared some of these verses with them, but as many as received him to them, gave the right, the power, the authority, depending on what translation you're using, to become the sons, and daughters of God, even to those that believe on his name. There was a gentleman that had a lot of confusion about God's word and what to do about it as well. And so he went to the perfect person. His name was Nicodemus, John chapter 3. Went to Jesus at night because he didn't want to be seen by the members of the Sanhedrin. Jesus began to share with him that he needed to be born again. And he said, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter again into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus explained it very, very clearly. It's interesting that there was just two people in that dialogue. A very religious man, and of course, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus made it very, very clearly. He needed to accept him as personal Savior. That was the only way. And we know it so well. If you learn it in quizzing, for God so love of the world... He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Sanhedrin were really upset with Peter and John. Peter and John had really messed up their religious society. A man who was crippled became well, the Golden Gate, and went into the temple. And he was dancing around praising God. So they called Peter and John together, said, What have you done this for? What name are you using? Made it very clearly. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Went on from there. They were baffled. Sanhedrin were baffled. They looked at each other, I'm sure. And they wondered what was going on in the name of Jesus. The only name that could set that man free. The only one that could set people free from sin. Verse 13 says, And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. Quizzers, you've been with Jesus all week. You've been with Jesus for years as you memorize verses. And that's what's blessed you so much. Jesus said very, very clearly in John fifteen three. Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. And I believe over the years, my memorization of Scripture has helped me with all my studies, right up to the very top. And so let me encourage you to continue to do what you're doing. And thank you, leaders. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you for Billets, all the ones who have been involved this weekend. You will be blessed. God will bless you for what you've done. Of course, we know, as I talked to Joe and Sam... They had to recognize that they had to do something about it. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Joe and Sam, you need to acknowledge that. And they did. And because of that, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Joe and Sam, what a difference in their lives. What an impact they had on their family as they followed him. Secondly, Jesus is the one who opens doors for us. No man can shut it except ourselves. Except ourselves. Over the years in counseling, I've had hundreds and hundreds of individuals, men, women, teenagers, say to me, I have so much regret. Because there was a time in my life I really followed Jesus Christ. But I've walked away from him. And my life, my marriage, my home is an absolute mess. Jesus opened doors for us, but sometimes we want to close them. I'll use the name, Paul, this was not his name. An elderly gentleman, by that time, with tears running down his eyes, he said, Bruce, God called me into the ministry when I was a young man. And I said, no. And he said, I've regretted it ever since then. And as a result of that, I'm sure his children went the wrong way. He said, I regret the fact that I didn't walk through that open door. And I found that with many others as well. Of course, the way we obey God is to listen to his voice by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 30 gives a beautiful statement in verse 21. And you will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. Whether you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. And of course, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that believeth in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. What a beautiful picture. A good thing to look at, of course, as you're memorizing scripture, is to say, God, how does this apply to my particular life? And over the years, I'm so blessed that God has pointed out those things in my life. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about having a ministry. Every one of us have a ministry. You might think this ministry was kind of silly. Old-fashioned. But I think of some of the, the ones that would come into their church early and go from chair to chair, put their hands on it and pray and say, Lord, we ask you to bless the one that sits in this chair today. We ask you to bless the one that sits in this chair today. Went through their whole congregation. And God did some marvelous things in that church as a result of their prayer. And Sometimes we don't think that we have much to give, but we all do. Paul said, therefore, seeing we have a ministry, we all do. Let us hold fast what we have in Jesus Christ. Very interesting that two of the men said, I don't believe in Satan. I don't believe in hell. And when we realized that Satan indeed was strong and powerful, they said they needed to do something about it and they needed to respond to Jesus Christ. Watch out for the enemy. You will seek to lead you away. Jesus said it very, very clearly. John 10.10, the thief Satan comes to steal and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Satan doesn't like you. and That's why it's important to young people as well as some of us older generation, let's remember the importance of putting on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, you've probably learned it in quizzing my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles. That Greek word is methodios. The wiles, the tricks, the strategies of the Satan. Why do we need to do that? So we can protect ourselves. And goes on to say that we need to put on that belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness in our feet, shod preparation of the gospel of peace and to be ready. Step that shield of faith. Quench all the fiery darts the wicked. Have the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Be prepared. Let me encourage you to do that every day. Claim that for your family as well. Thirdly, we need to recognize that we have a little strength. We don't have very much power in our own strength I'm sure some of the individuals who are laying on a deathbed today with tubes in their nose, knowing that they don't have very long to live, they know very clearly they don't have any strength. And we need to realize as Christians that we don't have strength in our own. I can't do it on my own, I know most of you are too young to remember this song that Paul Anka, the Canadian, sang and Frank Sinatra sang, I did it my way. I did it my way. And I wonder, when Frank Sinatra passed away and I don't know anything much about his life, but I wonder when he approached the Lord Jesus, Whether he could say, I did it my way and it was right. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Dear ones, don't try and do it your way. It doesn't matter whether you're 90. Pastor Ernest is, and we know, I know him so well. As Bert talked about, he didn't do it his way, he did it God's way. And that's why all of us stand up and call him blessed because of the ministry he's had in all of our hearts that know him so well. Don't do it my way. I want to do it Christ's way. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit within our life. Paul said it this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he said, my God shall supply all my need, all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul recognized that he could not do it on his own. And dear ones, whether you're 12 or you're 92, don't expect to do it on your own because there's going to come a day that you're going to wish that you wouldn't have gone that way. Someday maybe I'll get brave enough and share my whole testimony, but remember as a young man about 18 or 19, away from the Lord, didn't know him in a personal way, driving my panel truck in Kenora, Ontario area. We used to use that panel truck to carry our musical instruments. I was lead singer and played guitar in a dance band back in the day. It said, God... Because I realized I could no longer do it on my own. I said, if there's something you can do with my life, I will give you my life. It wasn't very long after that, as a 19-year-old, that I came to know Jesus Christ. I was a high school dropout at that time. But God did some marvelous things in my life. Bruce Pringle could not do it on his own. He needed the Lord Jesus Christ to do that. Ephesians five seventeen says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, and then you can, as God's Word says, speaking to yourselves in hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. When we don't try and do it on our own, we let Christ do it for us. That makes the difference. And even Jesus Christ did not do it on his own. Spent many, many, many hours in prayer asking God the Father to empower him by the Holy Spirit so he could do the work to change the world. And we're a part of that even today. It's interesting as Paul was encouraging the people in Corinth to stand fast about against some of the things that they were dealing with. They were a troublesome church, they started out well. Then all kinds of things happened. And he would write back and forth to them. We don't know whether it was just first and second Corinthians. I'm sure there were other letters as well that went back and forth. But he said in 2 Corinthians 10, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly or sensual. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the knowledge of Christ. As I said earlier, young people and adults as well, Satan doesn't like you. He begins in your mind, and he begins to share some things that are negative or ungodly. It doesn't take long before it pulls us down. Fourthly, we need to keep his word by obeying it. We need to keep his word by obeying it. Psalm 1, we know that so well. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the law of the Lord in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in the season; and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. It doesn't stop there. It says, the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff that the wind blows away. And dear ones, we need to be like the godly one, it is built up like a tree planted by the river of water. So we need to keep his word by obeying it. Of course, we know the word. You've been working through that this weekend, and some of you have been sharing it, how powerful God's word is from Hebrews 4. The word of God is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, at piercing, even dividing a center of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of the one with whom we have to do. We pause just for a moment on that. He knows everything that you ever thought. If you're mean, sarcastic, he knows all those things. He puts those down and keeps them in his book. You say, well, how do we know? Well, God's word is clear, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. And the psalmist says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And I've shared this with some people already over the years. Someone early in my Christian life said, Bruce, I want you to write this in the front of your Bible. Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. I've got it in this Bible as well. Very, very important. We're talking about God's will. We're talking about the power of God, God working in and through us today. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we need to keep God's word by obeying it. Number five, how do we not deny his name? Jesus was talking to a church in Philadelphia, and we recognize there were seven churches in Asia Minor, and Pastor Dan's probably visited that church, but when Jesus was talking about those churches, I believe he wasn't only talking about the specific geographical location of them, but I I believe he was talking about the elements of Christians and non-Christians throughout history in these different churches. And so we may have some in ours that perhaps no use have no use for God, really. And perhaps already entangled with the yoke of the enemy instead of the yoke of Jesus. But he's talking very, very gently to this church, the royal church, the loyal church, the revived church. And I trust that that's what we desire in our church, that we would be revived. How do we Deny his name. Jesus said a very strong statement in Matthew 10, He said, if you deny me before men, I will also deny you before my Father in heaven. That's a scary thought. But even more so, we deny the Lord Jesus by singing against him. Just I've written a few down there our own pride and lust and anger, <clears throat> anger, a critical spirit, lying, self-pity, spiritual laziness, gossip, and it goes on. As we look at our life, we need to say, what's going to happen if I carry that? Well, God's word is very clear. First Corinthians talks about that. What know you not that your body's need to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He reminds us as well that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And just quickly, I'll just mention that there are two judgments, the great white throne judgment, where the unsaved of the world will stand before the Lord Jesus, and he will say to them, I never knew you, depart. He'll say to us, 2 Corinthians 5.10, at the judgment seat of Christ, For all the believers, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give account of how we lived for Jesus. You know, if we don't deal with our sin, that sin is going to be shown to all the ones that are going to be there at that great white throne, or that, that judgment seat of Christ. So I like to, when I get up in the morning, as I have my devotions, say, Lord, if there's any sin in my life, I ask you to point it out and I will confess it. I will repent of it. I will ask you to cover me with your precious blood and take that away from me and fill me with your spirit. I try to do that every night as well before I go to bed to make sure that there's nothing between the Savior and I. When I stand in this pulpit, I don't want dirt in my life because then God can't do the work that he wants to do in people's lives. So, dear ones, Jesus knows all about you. So it's very, very important that we keep short accounts with God. Romans 12:1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God how do we conclude this? We need to look at our lives and say, God, is there something in my life that is keeping me from being all that you want me to be? God, is there sin in my life that has pushed the Holy Spirit aside and the Holy Spirit no longer talks to me? That's what happened to Paul when he said, Bruce, I regret the fact that I didn't follow God into ministry. And perhaps you're here today, and Jesus has been trying to open a door for you, and the only one that can close it is you. You've been saying, God, I don't want to walk through that door. It's too scary, or I like my sin too much. Today would be a good time. In a moment, we're going to be quiet. I so go into prayer, and then I'll ask the worship team to come back, where you can say, Lord Jesus, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come to the front. You know your heart, and you can talk to God just right where you are. And perhaps you need to say, God, I heard you speaking to me today, and I want to deal with that. It's not a formal altar call where you come to the front, but it's your call by the Holy Spirit right where you sit. And so you can talk to him and he'll talk to you. Let's pray.